Welcome to the Converge Community Church Podcast, where we provide for you the previous Sunday morning sermon. And now without further ado, may the Holy Spirit minister to your heart as you hear the preaching of God's Word. So we're in Matthew chapter 7, and we're going through verses 7 through 12. Now, we've been in chapter 7 for quite a while now. Um, in the Gospel of Matthew. Two weeks ago, we did like a huge overview or big overview of verses 1 through 12. And then last week, we went in, wanted to get into greater detail. So then we focused on verses 1 through 6. And then today, we're going through 7 through 12. And um, we, we like to do that, not, not all the time, but we, we want to take things slowly and we w- really want to dig in and try to understand what, what the scriptures are telling us, what God wants for us. And so it's good. We, we've been in Matthew for a long time and it's, we're not even halfway through. So, but, but it's good. It's good to really take our time with God's word and the desire is for us to hear from him. So let me give you a little review of what we've covered so far and bring us all up to speed. This is still the Sermon on the Mount. Remember, it starts in chapter 5 and chapter 6, and now we're in 7. And Jesus is teaching his disciples and a large crowd about what it means to follow the promised king into his kingdom. Remember, that's the overall main idea of the whole book, to follow the promised king into his kingdom. And we know that Jesus is that promised king. And In this sermon, he's unpacking what that looks like. Jesus gets to the heart of the issue in this sermon. It's it's not about outward works of righteousness. Instead, it's about the condition of the heart. Often throughout the sermon, Jesus gives a warning about hypocrisy. He tells them not to practice righteousness before others. Instead, A follower of the king is to practice their righteousness in secret where only God sees. The follower of the king must also avoid sins of the heart. So it's not just about murder. That's what we see. But it's also about anger. It's not just about adultery. It's about lust. The follower must also love their enemy and pray for those who persecute them and They are also commanded to refrain from treasures on earth, storing up treasures on earth, and rather store up treasures in heaven. Finally, the follower of the promised king does not need to be anxious because they know that the Father in heaven will supply them with all their needs. So that's been what the sermon has been so far, at least a summary of it, and Last week, we're, we're, we're getting to this where Jesus mentioned another heart issue that tends to fit the description of hypocrisy, and that is judging others. Jesus says in chapter 7, verse 1 and 2, that the judgment we pronounce and the measure we use will be returned to us. Right? Judge not, lest you be judged. And the measure that we judge will be measured to us. And so, An example of this, 
I, I have this string here, and we can use a string like a measurement, and we can see how much I measure to the string, and it's pretty close. I'm try, I, I try to cut it about the same height here. But hey, I, I measure up pretty well, right? Yeah. I'm, about, I'm about six foot. Yeah. I'm actually, uh, I always tell everyone I'm six foot, but I'm actually five, five, 11 and three quarters, <laughs> right? So is there, is there anybody else that's six foot? Ben, don't raise your hand. You're not six foot. You're taller than six foot, aren't you? Oh, yeah, in the range. No, no, I need somebody who's six foot. Who, who knows that they are six foot? George, are you the only one? No, six foot, not six two. You're six two? Okay, who's six foot exactly? Are you serious? There's nobody here that's six foot. Are you point? Lou, are you six foot? You just want to be. Okay, who's six one? Who's Nick? Come on, come on up here, Nick. Although your hair might screw things up. Come on over here. You need a haircut. Okay, stand right here. Step at the bottom of the string. Yep, there you go. And I'm going to measure. Wait a minute. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, look at this. Nick doesn't measure up. Everybody boo Nick for not measuring up. Oh, thanks, Nick. You can sit back down. All right, he didn't. Isn't that terrible? I, I was able to measure up. Oh, poor Nick wasn't able to measure up. Why? I use different measures, right? For myself, I use this measure, and I, I measured up just fine, right? We're about the same height. I measured up just fine. But guess what? I'm using a different measure for Nick. And, and this is what Verses 1 and 2 of this passage in chapter 7 is talking about. And I'm going to call this the measure principle. Okay, so if you have paper and pen, you can write this down. This is the measure principle. How you measure others will also be measured to you. So there is no two measures. There's only one. So if I use that measurement for Nick, God's saying, hey, that's the measure I'm using. Okay, that's the measure principle. There won't be two different scales or measures. Jesus describes this principle in, a ver in various ways in his sermon. So if you go back to the Beatitudes, chapter 5, verse 7, he says, blessed are the merciful. So if, if you're merciful, for they will receive mercy. If you're merciful, you will receive mercy. Another one is about forgiveness. Matthew chapter 6 says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So Jesus is a bit, has already been talking about this principle. And so the question is, is how do you measure others? And how do you measure yourself? This is the question that Jesus is addressing, and, and he uses an illustration that I think fits perfectly with this, and it's about the log in your eye and the speck that you see in others. It's the question of why do you measure differently? It's because you don't see clearly. You got a log in your eye. 
hey, let me, let me help you with that speck in your eye. That I, I see that speck while I have a log in my eye. So in other words, judging comes out of a heart of superiority and self-righteousness. I measure up. Here's, here's the log in my eye. I measure up. Nobody else measures up. I measure up. And this is the heart of hypocrisy, which Jesus has given, has been pointing this out throughout the sermon, right? He's been telling his listeners, don't be like the hypocrites. And I love it when he gets to this, the, the illustration of the log and the speck, because it's not look at those hypocrites or don't be like those hypocrites. When he gives that illustration, he calls them hypocrites. You hypocrites, right? So before it's like, don't be like the hypocrites. And you're like, yeah. Can you imagine being in the crowd? Don't be like the hypocrites. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he turns around and he says, you hypocrites. And you, wait, what, me? Talking to me? I love how Jesus does that. He, he likes to uh, sometimes step on our toes, make sure that we're awake. And so after this log and speck illustration, Jesus, I think, expands on this and explains this principle, maybe in a different way. Specific, and, it's, and this is in verse six. He says, do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. And so here, I think what Jesus is doing is calling for discernment. You don't give away what is good and valuable to those who do not see it as good and valuable. It's a waste, and it brings trouble. So how do you, how do you know? How do you know what is good, and how do you know who to give it to? You need to see clearly. You need to be able to see clearly. Get the log out of your eye. Get the log out of your eye. You must be able to see clearly. And so that's, those are verses one through six of this passage. Now this brings us to our passage this morning. This is verses seven through 12. And I'm going to point out three principles to you in this passage. Number one, the prayer principle. Number two, the good father principle. And number three, the measure principle. Now I've already talked about the measure principle. That's Verses one and two, we talked about the measure principle. This is the measure principle part two. This is, a, this is a different take on the measure principle, but I think it's similar. Anna, do you think it's similar? We talked about it during Sunday school class. Uh, so let's read together, together Matthew chapter seven, and we're gonna read all of it together, verses one through 12. And, uh, and then we'll work through the passage. So would you stand with me, please? Hang on for a minute. I need to actually bring it up on my... Matthew 7... Verses 1 through 12, judge not that you be not judged. 
For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Ask, and it'll be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, it'll be given to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it'll be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give you good things to those who ask him? So, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before you, Lord, we ask that you would reveal this, this word that you have for us, that you would show us, that you would help us to see and to hear what you have. Lord, work through your spirit, Lord, not my words, but the, but the word of God would, would pour forth. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. All right, so let's look at this first principle. This is the prayer principle. Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. So here, Jesus is in, um, enforcing or reinforcing an import, the importance of prayer. And he has covered this before, right? Remember, he gives us an example of prayer. In fact, he says, give us this day our daily bread. We, we are to ask for our daily needs. He also reminded his listeners, and this is in chapter 6, that God feeds the birds, he supplies and provides for the birds, he provides for the lilies and the fields. He is the great provider. Therefore, we should go to him with our needs. And in verse 7, Jesus gives us three specific ways we are to do this. It's, it's actions that we are to take. So it's this idea of putting all of our attention or all of our energy into pursuing God in prayer. We are to ask, we are to seek, we are to knock. In other words, use your mouth. Heavenly Father, hello, I'm here. I need, I have a request. Use your mouth, use your eyes, seek. Lord, <clears throat> hey, where, where are you? Seek him out, knock. Ask, seek, knock. Put all your attention on the one who provides good things for you. 
This is in contrast to the analogy of the log in the speck. So if you go back to those previous verses, verses 3 through 5, it starts with seeing. I see my brother's speck. Guess what? I'm going to say something about it. There's a speck. It's in your eye. Let me help you take it out. Right? So I see, I say something, and now I'm going to go do something about it. So instead of doing that, it's instead of seeing and speaking and the taking out, what we are to be focused on is asking, seeking, and knocking. See, one is focused on my brother and the speck that I think is probably a log, right? Instead of focusing on him and that speck, we are to be focused on God and pursuing him. Ask, seek, knock. And so here's the question. Or, yeah, I think this is a good question for us. It's an important question. And that is, how much time do I spend thinking about other people's issues? Think about that for yourself. Just how much time do I spend throughout my day thinking about other people's issues? And it's, it's kind of this mindset, and, and this, is, uh, this is confession time for me. This, these are the kind of things that may go through my mind during the day. The world would be a whole lot better if it wasn't for all these other people, <laughs> right? Wouldn't it? This place would work so much better. Society would be so much better if it wasn't for all these other people, If only everyone else was as reasonable and sensible as me. Did I hear a wow over there? I felt like, I feel like I'm being judged. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But seriously, it's, it's always the people around me that are the problem. So the question is, do you spend much of your time and energy looking at other people's issues and I believe Jesus is saying, instead of focusing on your brother's issues, we should focus on our Heavenly Father, who is the giver of all good gifts. Think about that. So it's a call to focus our attention on Him and not on others' issues, other people's issues. And this brings us to verse 8 where it says, for everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it'll be opened. So could you imagine what that would be like? This is, this is the principle here, right, that he's describing. You ask, you'll receive. You look, you'll find. You knock, it'll be opened. Could you imagine if that happened to you on a daily basis, whatever you asked, whatever you looked for, whatever door you knocked on would be open? That would be amazing. I'll give you an illustration or an example of this. Just this past week, it was Tuesday morning. I will will not forget this. Tuesday morning, I will not name the name, but there was a child in my house who took my keys to the church. And I woke up at six in the morning and I got ready and I got, you know what? I'm going to start the day off early. I'm going to get to the church 
that, you know, and I, I was prepared. I, I, was, I got my coffee ready. I was all packed up and ready to go. I looked for my keys that are usually hanging by the door. Not there. What do I do? I start looking. Wouldn't it have been nice if I sought, if I was seeking and I found? Guess what? Didn't happen. Then I realized, ah, a child of mine was the last to have my keys. So I go, and be, now I'm a, little, I'm, I'm a little perturbed. You like that word, perturbed? <laughs> so I go, I'm going to wake them up. So I go and wake them up. Where's my keys? And, and they kind of wake up, and I'm like, where's my keys? So they're foggy, and all of a sudden they grab the bag that's next to them, and, and they're searching, and there's a little bit of drool coming down their mouth, a little... <laughs> I'm just kidding. I couldn't see the drool, but they couldn't find the keys. So here I was seeking, didn't find. I'm asking. They're not giving me what I want. Can't find the keys. I ask. I'm not getting the keys. All right, so more confession time. This is how much I wanted to get into that church. Like, I was so looking forward to just sitting down, and, and at 6 in the morning, it's quiet there. It starts getting a little bit more livelier around 9 o'clock. And so I wanted, I wanted some good time alone. Um, and so I actually went to the church, because I live right behind the church, okay? So it's not like I drove all the way there. I just had to walk. But I checked every door to make sure, see if one of them might have been unlocked. I checked every door. Could you imagine, though, at 6 in the morning if I started knocking? Like, I could knock. Nobody's opening the door because no one's there. It didn't matter which door of that church I knocked on. It was not going to open. It was locked. So you can feel, maybe, with me, sympathize with me how helpless I felt. I asked. I sought. I knocked, nothing, nothing. I was powerless. However, what is Jesus telling us here? God tells us when we go to him in prayer, when we ask, we, he will answer. When we seek, he will, we will find it. When we knock, it will be opened. Now, you may not believe this is true. You might think these are just empty words, but Jesus gives some rationale for this prayer principle. He, he reasons this out for us, and he does it by comparing earthly parents with our heavenly parent. And so this brings us to the second principle, the good father principle. Verse 9 says, or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he'll give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who asks him? Here, Jesus gives a comparison between parents and God the Father. Parents know how to give good gifts to their children. We all know this. If, if you're a parent... You understand this. There's this unique love that we have for our kids. 
The surprise in this passage is that Jesus calls his listeners out. And he says, you who are evil. Wouldn't you love to be sitting in that crowd? He already called you hypocrites. You hypocrites. You're like, oof, talking to me. And now he's turning and says, you who are evil. Wait a minute, me? Evil? Yeah. Scripture tells us that we all fall, fall short to the glory of God. That we all sin. First John chapter 1, verse 8 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. There's, there's that log in our eye again, right? We're not seeing clearly. We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Yet, even though we are sinners, we know how to love our children. We know how to give good gifts to our children. And this is where the good father principle is because we know that God is without sin. He is good compared to us. We are evil. He isn't. He is far greater. He is far more charitable and merciful and loving and kind. So if we who are evil know how to give good gifts, doesn't God much more give us good gifts? Therefore, ask, seek, and knock. Pursue him actively with all your energy. How often do we go off on our own and try to fix our own problems and provide for our own needs without going to our Father? It's so easy just to move into a direction that we think is best before going to our Heavenly Father. So last, was it last week? So it wasn't this previous week, but the week before, um, you guys might have heard in the news the shooting up at Michigan State, and that's where our son goes. And so a couple of days after the shooting, our whole family went up there to visit him, and we were on campus. We actually traveled around the campus, and there was a memorial there for the students that got killed. And there were hundreds of flowers, of bouquets of flowers around this, uh, this statue where they had this memorial. So there was flowers and there was these signs that were uh, there too. And so I, I went up and I was looking at all the signs. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read one that I saw and it's not verbatim, but it's pretty close. And I don't want to take this in a political direction, by the way, but I think this was very insightful. But it said this, No more thoughts and prayers. It's time for laws and policies. Hmm. I thought that was an interesting thing. No more, no more thoughts and prayers. It's time for laws and policies. And I think I, I can kind of understand what they're getting at there. Because a lot of times we do say these, and I don't want to call them slogans, but these words... And I understand the other side too. We, we want to be sympathetic. We want to care for others and we want to show that we're hurting too and that we're concerned and that we feel power, powerless. And so we say these phrases and we hear them a lot in the media, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. And 
Let's not just keep saying things like that. So I, I get that, that we want to move to action. But I think there's something there that's missing, though. Maybe our first action isn't, action isn't towards policies and laws. Maybe our first step, our first action step is to get on our knees and pray. Not just to say that we pray, but to actually get on our knees before our Father and ask and seek and knock. Because it is God who provides. Remember, I ask, I seek, I knock around here. I'm going, I'm, I'm doing all the work. I'm going to my child. I'm, I'm going to these doors. I'm, I'm trying to do it myself and I'm powerless. Why don't we go to the one who has all the power? I think that needs to be our step. And you know what? God knows what we need, and he works through prayer. He does. Now, there are some things that we need to consider when it comes to asking, seeking, and knocking, though. Because God isn't like a genie in a lamp who gives an unlimited supply of wishes, right? When we ask and seek, we knock. Whatever we ask, seek, and knock. He's going to provide it. That's, that's not how God works. He's not a genie in a lamp. He's about giving us what is ultimately good, though. And the problem is that oftentimes we are not in line with what is good. We are not seeing clearly. There's a log in our eye. So we don't know what's really good for us. It's kind of like the child who's hungry for dinner. Should I... I have some of these. <laughs> Hungry for dinner. You know, they're, they're starving. It's dinner time. What do they want? Ice cream. Why are you getting out ice cream? That's not good for you. It's maybe what you want, but it's going to make you sick. I, I know what you need. Oftentimes, we don't know what we really need. In a similar way, we can, we can a- often ask for the wrong things for the wrong reasons. And James, where's, where's Lori? Lori, we talked, you brought this up in Sunday school class. By the way, if, um, here's a plug, a shameless plug for our Sunday school class. I, it was a blast uh, this morning because when we were talking through this passage and we we're kind of unpacking it and trying to make observations, th- they were bringing up all these things to me. I'm like, well, why don't you guys just come up here and preach the sermon? Because, they, I mean, they were on it. They were, they were like, oh, yeah, this is, this is how it connects. And it, it was great. It, just a, a great time. I, picked, I was picking on you guys, but it was out of fun, right? It was, it was great. But anyways, we, we got to this passage, James chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. It says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you. You desire and do not have, so you murder, you covet, and you cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. Okay, well then let's ask. Oh, you ask 
and you do not receive. Why? Because you ask wrongly, well, what do you mean by that? Well, you spend it on your passions. You spend it on your passions. I think this is why God sometimes refrains from giving us what we are seeking. We make it about ourselves. We want and crave things to fill our passions. And God knows how to give good gifts even when we don't see them as good gifts. And so if we are asking, seeking, and knocking and not receiving, we might be asking for the wrong things in the wrong way. So let me give you just an easy example of this. I'm wanting to get into that church. I'm getting, <laughs> wanting to get into that church in such a way that I, am, I, I can't and I'm angry. I was. I, I, I thought in my head, I'm like, my whole day is ruined. That's how bad it got. Like, I couldn't do anything except for try. Have you ever done this before? I, I do this also if, uh, if there's something on a computer that I can't fix. I can't just do something else. I have to figure it out. If it takes me all day, and it's like, it consumes me. It's like a passion within me. And it's like, and out of that comes what? Anger and frustration. It's like, is this really good for me? God knows what is good for us. So the question then is, is what should we be asking for? What should we seek? What doors should we be knocking on? And you know what? Jesus has already talked about this in this sermon. So you go to Matthew 7, verse 33. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What is it that I'm to seek? Well, here it is. Seek first the kingdom, God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, and his righteousness. And I think in some ways this goes back to one of the Beatitudes, chapter Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, where it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. They hunger for something, right? They're seeking it out. They're needing it. They're not, you know, have you have ever been hungry, so hungry where it's like, I'm asking, I'm seeking, I'm knocking for food. This is the same way but it's for righteousness. And again, there's the promise, you'll be satisfied. So let us take our eyes off of our brother and their issues and focus on the Lord and his kingdom and his righteousness. So that's kind of a broad answer there. Like what are we to knock and ask for and to seek? Well, it's God's kingdom and his righteousness. But we can also get into the specifics of what exactly that means, because that's what this sermon on the mount is all about. What is good? Well, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they. It's a good thing to be poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those who give mercy, who are merciful. These are good things. Maybe that's 
what we should be asking for and seeking and knocking. Here's another one. And I think this is a little bit more of attached to our uh, verses one through six of chapter seven. I think it, we can also ask for discernment to see clearly. And so we talked about this earlier in the chapter. Discernment we, requires us to get that log out of our, our eye. How do we do that? Lord, Lord, where are you? I think I got a log in my eye. Help me. Help me get this out. You see, God is a good father. And so if we ask for good things, he will not withhold them from us. And so this is the good father principle. All right, so that's principle number two. Here's principle number three, the measure principle. We'll give this part two where it's set up in a different way. So Matthew chapter seven, verse 12 says, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, you do also to them for this is the law and the prophets. So this is an alternative aspect to judgment. It's, it's an alternative to judging others. So remember back in chapter seven, verse one, Jesus says, do not judge because whatever measure you judge, it will be measured to you. So I think this is the longer one, right? So it's, it's that principle of, boy, um, however I judge others, I'm, I'm not measuring up either. And how I judge others, this is how I'm going to be judged. Not, not fun, not, not good. Now, Jesus applies this measure principle differently. Instead of judging, we are to treat others how we want to be treated. So, so maybe it's, okay, how I want to be treated of, of measuring up. Maybe, maybe that's how, how I should treat others. That, that could be a possibility. I know for myself, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be judged like this, right? I don't want you to be booing me because I don't measure up. That's, that's not how I want to be treated. Maybe I should treat others with the measure that I treat myself. Or here's another one. Let's see, where did I put this one? Oh, maybe, maybe it's not how I measure. Maybe, maybe it's even... Maybe it's even more. So maybe it's treating someone with mercy or to be charitable. So an example of this would be, uh, I think Jeff used this example a couple of weeks ago. I don't know who, who he was talking about here, but he was talking about at the other campus, uh, across the street, there was a police car parked there during the service. And someone said, and by the way, this is probably what I would do too, right? What is he, is this a speed trap? Are you serious? This, this guy has, is doing a speed trap of us good people, these, 
these Christians that are just trying to go to church and be better people, and here he is setting a speed trap? That might be my first assumption, right? That's me judging. Ah, that, those police. And, and the interesting thing is, is I, I probably would have been, that would have been the first thing I would have thought. But I, but I actually know why he's there. He's there because we asked them, him to be there. We asked him there. So uh, this was, I, you know, a, a few years ago when the, in, in the news, there's all these shootings that were taking place at churches. And, and we thought as a church, you know, we need to talk about safety. And so what are some ways we can do that? And so we actually reached out to the police department and said, hey, if you're around, feel free to, to park near the church or to swing by or come in and have a, some coffee. I mean, that's why they were there to keep us safe, to be a presence. So me, if I didn't know that, I have an option. Either I, I judge, and of course, can't meet that expectation. I'm being judgmental. Or I could be charitable. I can be charitable. How do I want people to, to view me? When I speak, especially up here, <laughs> whenever I speak, I, I know I say things like off, I, I miscommunicate. I, I would hope that people would listen to me in a charitable way. Have you, have you ever experienced like someone just listening to every word you say, just whatever you say, like any, any, uh, anything that they can catch you on, you have to be precise in what you say, or they're going to come after you. This is like in court, you know, you can kind of think of this or, or maybe should I go here? It's, it's the husband wife thing where does this, does this dress make me look big? Does it make me look heavy here? It's like careful on the words that, the next words that come out of your mouth, all right? Be careful. But in the same way, how do you want to be treated? I don't want to be judged. I, I appreciate, I love it when people are charitable with me, with what I say, to not presume the worst. Or if I do say something wrong and off, to be merciful, to not strike me down, to be forgiving. So if that's how I want people to treat me, shouldn't that be the same measure I treat others, right? So that's the measure principle. He's saying the same thing that he's saying in verse one, just in a different way. Do not judge or you will be judged. No, no, no. How... How do you others want to how do you want others to treat you? That's how you treat them. So here's the thing though, we are not to follow this principle in hopes that others will follow it as well. Right? You know, I'm going to treat you how I want you to treat me. Wink wink nod nod. Because that's not going to happen. So look around you. You are surrounded by people with logs in their eyes. We don't see clearly. Jesus, Jesus calls us hypocrites, calls us evil, sinful. 
So treating them how you want to be treated doesn't guarantee they will do the same. That's not the reason why we treat others that way, how we want to be treated. We, we will quickly abandon this measure principle if that's why we're doing it, because it's not going to happen. But that's not why we follow this principle. We follow the measure principle because it fulfills the law and the prophets. It, that's, that's what this passage says, verse 12. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them for... Here's the reason why. This is the law and, and the prophets. And this is amazing. Jesus boils down the Old Testament. The Old Testament consists of the law, first five books of the Bible, and basically the prophets, the rest. The whole Old Testament, he boils down into one sentence. You know what? Couldn't he have just said this earlier so I didn't have to read the whole Old Testament? He boils it down to one sentence. And this is the second time Jesus mentions this as the law and the prophets, boiling it down. This is the second time in the sermon he says it. You know the first time? It's in chapter five. This is at the beginning of the sermon. This is right after the Beatitudes. Verse seven, he says, do not think that I came, that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets, the Old Testament. I have not come to abolish them, but to what? Fulfill them. Think of it. Jesus, the promised king, came to fulfill the law and the prophets. And in this one command, what is he doing? He's calling us to follow. Do the same. This is why I have come to fulfill the law of the prophets. Do so as well. I think we're on to something when we think this is the main idea of the whole book, right? To follow the promised king into his kingdom. This is it right here. Verse 12. Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. And so it starts out, this section, it starts out, judge not that you be not judged. Instead, it's whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. This is, this is the measure principle. This is what Jesus wants us to do. This is basically the, the whole idea or summary of this sermon how we view others is important. How we view ourselves is important. And we are called to view people like Jesus views people. We are called to serve people and love people like Jesus serves and loves people. This is how we are to follow the promised king into his kingdom. And with that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and, and in this passage, there's, there's these three principles that, that are drawn out, these important things, these important truths. You are calling us, Lord, to come to you, to pursue you, not to be focused on our, 
on our brothers and sisters who have issues and, and, and to focus on their issues, but, but to focus on you and to bring our requests to you. And it's because you are a good father. You know how to give good gifts. You are our provider. So Lord, remind us of that even throughout this week. Whatever, whatever that, is, that is within us, Lord, that, it, that is pulling us away, that it makes us frustrated or angry or scared, that, that brings fear within us, Lord, what, wherever there's conflict with others, may we not be focused on those things, but on our good Father who knows how to give good gifts. And then, Father, after that, may we also consider how we want to be treated, that we may also treat others in that same way. Lord, these are principles that we, we need to, to, break up, to pick up and own and to move towards. So, Lord, would you do that work within us? This is a prayer that we ask. We're seeking, we're knocking. So we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. Make sure you come back next week to hear the next message in our series.